When you're an entrepreneur with a great idea, it can be daunting to find funding. Startup Raven takes the process out of your hands by helping entrepreneurs connect and learn about potential investors all in one place. Without any long-filled forms or thousand questions, Sign up for early access at StartupRaven.com. Welcome to StartupRad.io, your podcast and YouTube blog covering the German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. We are 35 minutes later than we originally wanted to start, but therefore we have a fresh presentation. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the European Startup Pulse together again with Thomas. Hey, how are you doing? Hi, Joe. I'm doing fine. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. And uh, we may tell our audience that we had a lot of fun preparing all of that. Um, admittedly, we want to start like almost 40 minutes ago. Then you have been stuck in a workshop. Then we had to um, adjust the presentation. But now we are going full energy because today we are talking about what a healthy startup ecosystem, startup hub, speaking about the size of a city, of a large city, is good examples and how one can maybe recreate all of that, right? Yes, and that's super exciting. That's what I do for a living at Deep Ecosystems. We work with hubs all around the world to help them to create healthy ecosystems. Now, because healthy is for us the most important. It's more important than having big unicorns and having the highest amount of venture capital. Now, it's important that ecosystems are healthy and that it produce innovation for society, for improving the environment, fighting climate change, and societal problems. So I think that's equally important than just creating um, big startups. So we're really looking for regional ecosystems that are healthy and can create innovation in the local space as well, not only, not only in, let's say, the global space in Silicon Valley. That is pretty cool. And uh, everybody who didn't get it yet, you can one can hire you guys. Uh, I would assume usually you are hired by a public body, meaning the city, the state, or the federal government of countries. Maybe no, that's the countries. beauty. We actually work also with entrepreneurs because we have an accelerator for ecosystems. So if you are an entrepreneur and you like to change the region you live in into an ecosystem into a thriving ecosystem, then you should come to Deep Ecosystems and join our accelerator to build an ecosystem in your region. Um, that's sometimes more fun than moving away and trying your luck in London. Um, so maybe you want to create the ecosystem at home. That's what Deep Ecosystem helps you with. Sounds pretty good. So let's dive right in how you guys are actually doing this. And by the way, that is actually the reason you are collecting all of this data, you're digging through all of this data for more than a hundred, maybe even 200 cities across Europe. And that's where you get your know-how from. Exactly. Through the data analysis and of course, also personal experience of working with many dozens of ecosystems now 
and seeing what works and what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. So let's dive right in. Yes, maybe that's also a good starting point, showing a bit of the um, ecosystems that we have been working in from Chile to Estonia, Munich and Portugal. Um, so our team at Deep Ecosystems really is experienced. Um, we even have a head mentor that created a accelerator program in Iran. So we are very um, well versed in reading and understanding ecosystems. We have been part of ecosystems all around the world and we have intimate knowledge about how these ecosystems grew. So um, that combined with our data analysis um, of over more than 100 ecosystem metrics where we benchmark different cities and how they grow their ecosystem, that gives us a lot of experience and possibilities to help um, your hub if you're building an ecosystem hub um, to grow. And um, yeah, with our accelerator in the last 12 months, we have raised more than 1 million euros in ecosystem funding for new ecosystem initiatives. So um, those 25 ecosystem projects are hands-on examples of how that um, capability of data analysis, um, ecosystem building experience, network community can come together in an accelerator to boost ecosystems in regions that maybe you have not yet heard of, but that are also innovative. So we're really about that bottom-up grassroots ecosystem building. And I think that's also um, what is important because if you look at the big ecosystems in the world and you think they have always been there, there was never another um, player on top, um, you're wrong. No? Many of the big ecosystems today, they have started small. They have been created from the bottom up. Well, I always love to show these three examples because I think they are really telling. Now, if you look at Station F, it was created by a blogger, well, someone that was writing about startups initially uh, on a blog, pretty similar to you, actually, Joe. So you maybe are also the founder of a future ecosystem hub that will be world-renowned soon. So uh, watch out, I think. <laughs> I actually just gotten feedback from Northern Africa the last week. Somebody sent me a direct message on Twitter and said, um, here in North Africa, you're inspiration for many people. And I was going, awesome. Very nice. Very nice. In fact, yeah, we had a project recently in Morocco no, uh, measuring the ecosystem health of um, the startup scene in Morocco. And it was quite exciting. Um, it's very nascent in terms of investments, but there's a lot of things happening, a lot of creative people coming together in coding schools, in co-working spaces, incubators. So there is something happening. It's, it's, it's exciting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We, we also see Brad Feld, founder of Techstars, and one of our, uh, one of our guests indirectly, Helmut Schönenberger, founder of Unternehmertum. We did not talk to him directly, but we talked to the current CEO of Unternehmertum. So to say the person that followed Mr. Schönenberger. Exactly. So, I mean, this is, um, an exciting story as well. If you look at Munich, we will look at it a bit later in the, um, session today. Munich hasn't been a startup hub of global rank all the time. Now, in the last 10 years, um, it had a yeah, astronomical rise and Munich has been uh, put on the world map of startups with a lot of unicorns being here, more than 1 billion uh, euros in funding every year. So Unternehmertum had a large part to play in this. But when it was started, Helmut was a PhD candidate. 
He studied um, for his PhD. He went to the US. He saw entrepreneurship centers there at Stanford University. And he came back to Munich and said, I want to create an entrepreneurship center at the Technical University of Munich. Can we get this done? And he was a PhD student, uh, an entrepreneur that was pitching and convincing in the end sponsors and partners to chip in. So also here, this was created bottom up. Um, without those entrepreneurs, nothing would be um, emerging. No, you wouldn't have these ecosystems without the entrepreneurs at the center. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That is something I see. And I totally believe that those second generation, those first generation entrepreneurs are important for the second generation, meaning those people, for example, in Berlin and Munich who already have made an exit. They are most of the time very active as business angels in not only bringing money to the table, but also a lot of relevant experience. And I do believe that's very important. Exactly. And many of them are not even able to invest because they haven't made a big exit. When they start to create the ecosystem, what they are able to do is to put together um, really a community and create the, um, the scene which allows entrepreneurs to grow. Um, so, for example, here we have Brad Feld that started out in Boulder, Colorado, which is a small college town. And um, almost no one remembers that Techstars, one of the largest accelerators in the world today, was created in that small place where everything spoke against an accelerator to be born there, right? So it was definitely not the center of the innovation world. It's not that this is the college or university town where you had a lot of Nobel Prize winners or anything. Now, it was not known for mm -hmm. that. Uh, yet, um, this uh, budding entrepreneur, Brett Feld, he came there, brought together the community, created an accelerator um, with the right mindset. And uh, that enabled uh, Boulder to actually grow an uh, innovation ecosystem that to this day is punching way above its weight and uh, is producing a lot of startups. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How did he do it? Thanks for that question. That leads, uh, he basically answered that himself because Brett Feld is a very outspoken entrepreneur and he put together his learnings from that experience in the Boulder thesis. Um, many of you listeners probably have heard of it. There's also the book Startup Communities that he wrote about this. Um, he has set up four points in this thesis um, where he says they are important. First, entrepreneurs must lead the startup community. It must come from the entrepreneurs, not from the corporates, not from the government, not from the university. The entrepreneurs themselves must invest themselves in creating an entrepreneurship uh, ecosystem. And um, they must bet also their career on this. No? So the leaders must have a long-term commitment. They must say, if I help to build that ecosystem, uh, the startups will also carry me up and um, they will also ensure my financial well-being uh, over time because if we all grow this ecosystem here and startups will become successful, there's also uh, the possibility for me to, to um, yeah, make a living of this. So this long-term commitment over 20, 30 years by the leaders is very important to, to Brad Feld. And he's also very, um, uh, he's pushing for diversity 
The startup community must include of anyone who want to participate in it. So um, I think initially this was much about different um, backgrounds, educational backgrounds, uh, business students with engineers, lawyers, etc. But of course, also um, this speaks to the diversity of uh, different um, uh, migrant backgrounds, uh, sexual orientation mm -hmm. or what you can think of. So really anyone that wants to participate in the startup scene should be welcome and should contribute because, and that's what also we as Deep are very much convinced about is that these different experiences that come together in the ecosystem, they create the mix that allow um, really um, unique innovation to emerge. If you always stay in your kind of line um, uh, of uh, thinking, then nothing new emerges. So diversity is really an, uh, an important ingredient um, in, in creating a startup ecosystem. Yeah, and finally, the last point is that the startup community must have continual activities that engage the entire entrepreneurial stack. So really, uh, you can't just stop at um, working with developers. You also need to work with business. Um, you need to talk about the business issues. Um, if you have science that needs to be involved, the legal aspects, um, the venture capital aspect. Um, so you need to really think of what is needed to create a startup ecosystem. Um, so who else do I need to pull in? I cannot just stop at, let's say, the student side. I also need to bring in um, uh, the elements that are needed for creating a startup company in the later stages. So I think that's that's what the Boulder thesis is all about. Mm -hmm. When you talk about lawyers, of course, what comes to mind are also the tax advisors. Never forget that aspect. I would also maybe add try to stay away from current political funding because the political cycles are the same across most of the world. And basically within four or uh, five years, your complete funding could dry up as we've seen uh, in just a recent case where uh, NGO was working for the UK government and basically just got pulled to plug. Oh yeah, tech nation. That that's bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you see the same in Germany now. Next year, the exist funding for university incubators is ending. So, 120 university incubators are um, out of funding uh, in 2024. Uh, I don't know if that's um, uh, the intention of um, of creating ecosystems. Of course, I mean government funding uh, should not always be your lifeline. Um, but, uh, of course, if you, if you create something new, you have to have a long-term commitment and cannot decide after 10 years now, now I close it down. So that's a, that's a problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I understand. Yes. So there's a couple of questions that we, for example, always ask, uh, to, to match with this Boulder thesis when we work with ecosystems. So when we talk about startup community, um, is led by entrepreneurs. So, for example, in your accelerators and incubators, are mentors, are they entrepreneurs or are they mm -hmm. employees at a corporate or are they government employees or did they have own entrepreneurial experience? Very important, basic setup, right? Um, how many of the program organizers that run the ecosystem can live off their work? Now, do they have a salary that makes them uh, do this full time? Or is it only a hobby? Now, do we try to create mm -hmm. our ecosystem in our region as a hobby? Now, if it's a hobby, maybe we are not professional enough and we can't expect much of it. Now, so, so the question is, do we have professional people building the ecosystem? Now, and also diversity. Do we have 
do we have the minorities uh, represented in in the community or are we all the same no? and uh, yeah so also community how many people are coming to our events now it's it's important to to not just organize events but also be honest mm -hmm. with ourselves are they are they working do we get people here do we have momentum right mm -hmm. so it's it's important that we we um check ourselves and um from these conversations that we have we we have developed a, a system that i want to show you uh which we call the minimum viable ecosystem right so how do you create an ecosystem if you have nothing hey guys this is joe from startuprate.io Today, I want to introduce you to our newest partner, Newsly. Newsly is an all-in-one audio app for iOS and Android. It picks up the top trending articles on the web on topics you choose at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural human voice. We are also available there with all of our podcasts. Subscribe now and get one month off the premium subscription with the code STARTUPRAD, S-T-A-R-T-U-P-R-A-D, on newsly.me. For our audience who just listens to this, go to www.startuprate.io. Um, there is a link to our blog on Medium, and there you will find with under the same name of this episode, How to Build a Startup Hub, uh, you'll also find the presentation with all the graphics. Sorry, go ahead, Thomas. Yeah, thank you. And that, that's cool because I love that graphic. It has this nice little heart inside uh, that is beating and that is making the ecosystem Uh, move forward. So um, <laughs> I think that's a, uh, we did a good job on that graphic. Um, so we have four elements, like we have the four chambers in the heart. Uh, so we are um, looking at the purpose of the ecosystem, like do the common belief that the people we bring together in our ecosystem have. I mean, that doesn't have to be um, uh, like something crazy. No? At some point, um, I, I talked to the ecosystem in Morocco, actually, and, and what they said is, um, we just don't want to work in the old, boring economy. We want to work in the new economy. We love to work in a more creative setting. And that, that is a common belief. That, that is like a, um, that is, you know, a phenomenon that you see. Huh? People want to work in the new and creative economy, not, not in the old and boring, right? They want to have purpose. So that's important um, an important aspect in ecosystem building. So what is the purpose you have? What brings your um, uh, your stakeholders together? Um, maybe it is to become rich, to build unicorns. Then probably that's, if you have that common goal, you can have a great community now, uh, if you all work into that direction. If you have different ideas, someone wants to save the world from climate change, that's a different story, right? So you will walk in a different direction. So mm -hmm. I'm not judging anyone. I'm just saying that if you build your ecosystem, you should be clear about your purpose because it's a it's a big effort and <laughs> you should know where, where you're going. Exactly. And uh, just to be sure that that purpose is for the overall hub, for the overall ecosystem, however large you will define it. It's not the purpose statement of a single startup. Most of the startups, by the way, should fit in there, but it's for the complete ecosystem, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think that ecosystems start small normally. No? So, um, of course, some people put the tag ecosystem on everything and say, um, we have an ecosystem that's worldwide. 
Yeah, maybe. Um, I believe that most of the time an ecosystem that really has these kind of um, features that make it function starts relatively small. No? So we're talking about a few dozen people rather than hundreds and thousands, right? Mm -hmm. So otherwise, I think it's also getting a little bit um, uh, out of hand. I would have one question when you talked about like all those people, of course, in the beginning, it could be very small. But what is the approximate size you talk about in an average ecosystem? Everybody has in mind um, the big Silicon Valley with Google, with Meta. Um, maybe mm. even you can count Amazon in. You definitely count PayPal in and a lot of other startups there, uh, Salesforce that became big. Um, where do you see the normal, the average size of an ecosystem. Yeah, so I think geographically the city level is what makes most sense. When we talk about innovation ecosystems, we normally look at the city level. Um, it might make sense to go a bit smaller if you talk about universities and say, okay, it's centered around that university. But I would always um, think that, let's say, most actors would reference the city level. Um, the country level already is a bit too large because I think that the connections between actors are um, losing in intensity and, um, and, and yeah, density as well. So you don't see um, as much close interaction on a country level as on the city level. So my, my feeling is city level is the right um, uh, approach. And I think that the ecosystems uh, consist, well, Of course, it can go uh, higher in terms of very big and large ones, but it's still relatively small. Um, so I think hundreds up to thousands in terms of individuals that are active inside the ecosystem is um, is the right perspective. That includes all the people working for the startups as well as those people engaged like talking Uh, accelerators, incubators, VCs, but also the people who organize the meetups. And I assume you don't count in like every support staff, I would call it like lawyers, tax advisors, and all the other mm -hmm. infrastructure that should have been in place before. Yeah, I think that um, not everyone needs to be counted. Um, it also doesn't make sense, let's say, to... Um, uh, to count people um, to, to measure the size. Um, for example, if you have a larger startup that has then hundreds of employees, they are not normally part of the ecosystem. Um, they work at a company and they do their job, but they are not necessarily involved in that um, flow of resources and exchange of um, uh, of activities and inside the ecosystem. So I think here we are, we are rather looking at the entrepreneurs themselves, the founders, the support organizations, the investors. Um, yes, also the lawyers that work directly with founders that engage maybe on a special, um, uh, on a special relationship with them. Uh, so I would say these are definitely part of it. Um, They can be even leaders, no? as, a, as we have here as another important uh, element, leadership, traditional players that can activate traditional uh, non-startup uh, actors to support startups. That's super important because um, if you don't have that, um, you will always stuck, let's say, in your dreams. You need to activate resources that are not available to, um, let's say, um, the, the 
young, if I may say, uh, and early stage uh, entrepreneur. Um, you need to bring in people that have already had success in business, that have access to resources um, mm -hmm. to grow companies. So for that, you need leadership and you need to activate more traditional leaders uh, to come in as well. Cutting edge. Uh, I really like that. Are you cutting edge? Do you attract the brightest minds and the best resources? That is quite a challenge, especially for everybody who's like not on the top 10, top 12 list. We talk about every quarter in terms of European startup hubs. Um, how can smaller hubs really get the brightest minds? I would assume for a special purpose here. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's super important. And I think that's what's most of the time overlooked. Everyone is just assuming they have something to offer and um, go out into the world, basically promoting their ecosystem and their hub as um, a great place without really thinking of what is it that they offer, what they bring to the table. Um, so cutting edge is important because the average talent <laughs> or the average top talent is not so interested in, um, in in just normal, right? So you want to go to the place that is really top-notch, that really does something um, uh, unique. And that can be that they are great in terms of science, but it can also be that they have a, one of the coolest uh, and most open-minded communities. Now, when people flocked mm -hmm. to Berlin, it was not because the Berlin universities were the best. Right. But they came because Berlin offered something that felt good, a lifestyle. Right. Bread was um, cheap. And um, it was cheap. Yes. So that in a way is it was cutting edge as well, because um, this lifestyle that Berlin offered was cutting edge in the world. No, nowhere else could you um, find the latest trends, be involved in the newest stuff, experiment the most. So I think that is attractive. And if you're a small place, you need to find your cutting edge as well. No? So you need to understand where you have something that can at least in a, in a certain region or in a certain network or vertical attract international um, talent. And we will see an example, no? which, uh, which is really um, interesting in that regard, which is Odense in Denmark. Uh, it's a small town in Denmark that has developed its cutting edge in the robotics industry. And um, yeah, that's one of the examples of an ecosystem that um, is really one to learn from. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, leadership, we already talked about, and community as diverse as possible, right? Yes, diverse is important because as we said, if you don't bring in different viewpoints, nothing new can emerge. But also you need to see community not only as, let's say, a meetup space, a place where people come together, but you also need to think of what are the rules that you establish for your community? What makes your community a community? Not just by inviting them every week to the same spot. It's not a community. No? What, what you want to have is a common set of beliefs. You want to have a common set of standards and behaviors where you say, okay, that is what makes us a community. Now, that's how we interact. The classical formulation is um, pay it forward, right? So that's a classical startup manifesto uh, kind of rule set. Um, and that makes a community. If a community believes in pay it forward, no, first give before you ask, 
that makes a community a community if that's really um, lived, huh? if, if people really do that. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Good. Shall we go a bit to the um, examples? I already spoke about um, Odense, so maybe we can dive into it. I really like the place. Huh? I think it's it's really inspiring. Um, for, for everybody who doesn't know, Odense is in Denmark. Denmark is just north of Germany, and it's one of the Scandinavian countries, right? Yes, it, that's a good question. I'm always getting confused what is part of Scandinavia and what is not part of Scandinavia. I'm not sure if Denmark counts as Scandinavia. I'm... Uh, for, for me, it counts as Scandinavia. Everybody who has a problem with it, leave 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 comments down here in the show notes. And um, basically, it's um it's a pretty big pen, uh, peninsula, Denmark, and Odense is in one of the islands between Denmark and Sweden. Exactly, yeah. And yeah, Odense is a small place, but it has um, a, a great robotics cluster. It's really world-class in robotics, and they have created a lot of exciting startups. Um, you see here the statistics. Since 2015 until 2020, there was almost 1 billion euros in investments in robotics companies. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really a nice result. No? So year over year, um, they they play in the top league in terms of um, investments into robotic startups. And it all started with a company called Universal Robots. Uh, and it was founded by, well, I, it's hard to pronounce the last name, so let's stay with the first name. So there were some founders uh, called Esben, Ostergaard, Kasper, mm -hmm. last name I can't pronounce, Stoy or Stay, and Christian Kasov. Um, mm -hmm. And they have created a robotics company. They have IPO'd it. Um, so they brought it to the stock market. Um, it was founded in 2005 and it was sold, so to say, in 2015, 10 years later. And um, they, with the funds they earned from the exit, they didn't decide to go and buy a yacht and travel the Mediterranean um, and mm -hmm. lie in the sun but they actually said they wanted to create a, a robotics cluster to help more startups emerge in the region. And that cluster is actually a public-private um, initiative, a partnership, um, and it was uh, first funded by the entrepreneurs and also supported by the government. And since 2015, they have supported the emergence of more and more um, robotic startups um, here. And over the time, There was seven exits and three IPOs in that cluster, um, which is really impressive for, for a small town um, mm -hmm. uh, that has managed to create um, such a, a thriving um, startup ecosystem. And actually now what they are doing, just as a fun fact, they are now thinking to replicate this model in a new field, which is medical cannabis. So um, they have identified a new unique value proposition for Odense. Um, next to robotics, they will go into um, into cannabis. So <laughs> very excited to see what comes out of that. It, interesting how they're leveraging this from robotics. Anybody would think, yeah, they go into some um, other aspect of deep tech startups, but going into the medical field cannabis That's quite interesting. And if they can really pull it off, there's a lot one can learn about it. 
Exactly. And I think it's about being really honest about unique value propositions. Uh, Odense has like this agricultural backland where mm -hmm. they already had some uh, uh, cannabis cultivation and uh, could uh, build this further up. So they are mm -hmm. really um, uh, analyzing where they stand and then um, they are creating um, more out of it. And I think that's also when we look at, okay, what can we learn from Odense? Now we ask ourselves, if we now start at zero in a, in a different region, now how could we create a mini Odense in our place, let's say? Now, and if we look at the four elements that we looked at before, purpose, ecosystem leaders, cutting edge communities, now, then we, we find answers in the case study of Odense. Now, mm -hmm. The purpose, this, the, We want to do everything possible in robotics, right? So this entrepreneurial spirit, this excitement, this focus on robotics, now that, that is bold. Now, who does that in terms of, um, if you talk to ecosystem builders, um, especially if they come from the government, um, are they really willing to bet everything on one vertical that's even extremely hard to build a startup in? Now, robotics investments are super, super low. Uh, all around the world. It's very hard um, to build startups in this sector. And now betting on that and saying that's our strong horse, that it is bold, no? mm -hmm. but it's a purpose that attracts, um, of course, um, uh, stakeholders and, and uh, entrepreneurs to join in. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And also this, um, this cutting edge, I mean, is the substance they built on. No? They had um, um, the most innovative robotics firm um, in the uh, in the region. No? So they had um, so many companies focusing on robotics, 292 no? with 3.74 billion euros in revenue. So I think they, they have something to offer. So they are really cutting edge. They are not lying about it, right? Um, and I think that's, that's a strong basis for building that ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yes, and uh, yeah, I think that um, it is possible now to to understand more closely how ecosystems emerge when you look at these kind of case studies. So um, maybe another one is the one from my hometown, Munich. Be before we get into Munich, we may um, piece this a little bit into part two. So um, Thomas. Thank you very much for sure. um, our, your contribution on how to build a startup hub part one. And we will be, as you, as we already teased, uh, be back with part two, the example of Munich. That's all, folks. Find more news, streams, events, and interviews at www.startuprad.io. Remember, sharing is caring.